Okay, so we're continuing the theme of Lacha Mishnah, the obligation to have two loaves of bread at the meals on Shabbos. Um, just two things to follow up from what we mentioned last time before we go into the new material. Um, we spoke about Asmachta. That means that um, we saw that the Gemara, the simple reading of the Gemara, would seem to indicate that the obligation to have two loaves of Lachem Mishnah on Shabbos is the Raisa's, a biblical obligation. Um, and we saw that the Taz indeed quotes that, Halacha Lemaisa, that um, if you have limited resources, then it's more important to get Lachem Mishnah than um, candle if for Shabbos of Hanukkah than the candles of Hanukkah, because uh, biblical, he says it's a biblical obligation. And we saw that the um, Mogan Avram seems to suggest otherwise, and most of us can take on that way. And um, yeah, many Achronim say that the Taz doesn't actually literally mean that it's biblical. It just means that because it has some reference in the Torah in the, uh, um, about Asmachta, it's called an Asmachta. We mentioned this, so therefore it takes precedence. Anyway, so I mentioned this concept of Asmachta, which literally means support, that it's a rabbinic institution that they find support for in the Pasuk, which is an illusion, often a very vague illusion not illusion, but allusion, an allusion to it. And um, so I, I remember there's a ritual, oh, the ritual writes that God forbid to say that um, that the smachtas, uh, there are those who are doing the ritual, but this is the ritual, he says this very emphatically, that God forbid to say that the smachtas are completely, in truth, unrelated, the Chachamim just made it up. And um, they, 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 quote unquote, you know, blamed it or just found an association to the pasuk, but then actually, the actually the the truth is that Hashem 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 initiated it in an, in in a vague way, and he left it up to the chachamim to actually solidify it and choose choose whether or not they're going to solidify it or how they're going to solidify it. But that's Ritva claims very strongly that it's something that even if it's an asmachta, and so in terms of halacha, we don't treat it as a rabbinic mitzvah, as a, sorry, we don't treat it as a biblical mitzvah, nevertheless, it does have, um, let's say, biblical underpinnings. Okay, I just thought that's interesting to mention. Now, what we finished off with last week was the halacha that's mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch Simen Kuf which is the laws of Matthias Hafas. This is not in the specific, this is not unique to Shabbos. This is every day. That whenever you say the bracha hamaitzi, you're supposed to um, you're supposed to hold the bread with ten fingers. Why ten fingers? So, um, so we it says because there's ten mitzvahs that you do with bread in the preparation of bread. There are ten mitzvahs involved. Um, one is, and we went through that one of them is Bikurim, bringing the first fruit. And yeah, so that's so 10 mitzvahs, yeah, not to plow with an ox and a, and a donkey together, not to plant uh, mixed seeds, to leave like and the gifts of the poor. From the field, etc. etc. One of the ten was the mitzvah of Bikurim to bring the first fruit, and that's why you hold the bread with ten fingers. So we asked the question: what about if you're having spelt bread or oats or whatever it is? Do you also have to hold the ten, bread with ten fingers? Because 
first fruit are brought only from the seven from the Shiva Saminim. One of the Shiva Saminim, the seven species of Tarsh Israel is praised for. And of which there's five fruit and then the two grains of chita and sa'ira, wheat and barley. So if I'm having spelt bread, then spelt is not one of the seven species. So then there's no ten mitzvahs. So in fact, I think that this, that's what we ended up with last week. But I think in fact, it's not true um, for two reasons. First of all, first of all, because there, there are different opinions in the Rishon. The Gemara says that the, the, the five types of grain we have which are wheat, barley, oats, rye, and spelt. So the halacha is that spelt is considered an, uh, uh, in the family of wheat, and the other, and rye and oats, are in the family of barley. Now, again, I don't know what scientific, what, what that means scientifically, and there's actually a lot of discussion of recent if actually Shabbat Shul is what we call oats, or perhaps it's something else. But be that as it may, halachically, spelt is considered in the in the in the family of wheat, and and Shabbat Shul and Shifrin, which will translate as oats and rye, are in the family of barley. Now, one of the areas where this has a halachic relevance nowadays, for example, just parenthetically, is if you're making doughs. Let's say if a woman's making challah and she has one batch of wheat challah that she makes and one batch of spelt challah or oat challah that she makes. So there's different, the way they come, can, can you separate challah from what, can you, can you, can you separate challah from one of those doughs for both of them? So it depends on a number of different factors. It depends how big the doughs are, there's a number, and it depends what species they are, but it's, it's complicated. Like spelt could mix with any of them, but wheat can't be only mixed with spelt. But the, you know, there's all these different combinations. I listed them Shulchan Aruch. For those learning speak Rakim Abraham, we learned it a few weeks ago, a few days ago, whatever it is. So that's the practical relevance nowadays. But I'll come back to the case and point is that according to some Rishonim, um, specifically according to Tosfos, the Tosfos and Psachim, where the way the Maharsha explains the Tosfos, it's the first Tosfos and Dafan Lamed Vav and Beisim Psachim. The way the Maharsha understands that Tosfos and also other Rishonim over there is that we take this to the extreme that as far as all things are concerned, we consider spelt to be an uh, to be an offshoot of wheat, and so the mitzvah of Bikurim, according to that opinion, would apply to spelt. Um, and um, and so uh, and so, according to that opinion in the Rishonim, then you, even the spelt would you would have this idea of to hold it with ten fingers. Additionally, um, the Beis Yosef in Simkuf Samachayim, when he brings this halacha, so he brings an alternative reading of the list of ten, and instead of Bikurim, he removes Bikurim, and instead of Bikurim, he takes in he adds in the mitzvah of not to muzzle the animal when you're um, when you're plowing or threshing with it. So, so according to his, so really it turns out there's 11 mitzvahs. So I don't know why we choose 10 out of those 11 and not the, uh, whatever it is, but the truth, the truth is that even when you're dealing with spelt, even if you want to follow the opinions that spelt are not actually considered part type of wheat and that we don't bring Bikurim from spelt, you still have 10 mitzvahs with spelt if you count not muzzling the ox during the threshing process as one of the 10. Anyway, all right, moving on. Um, there is a Gemara. Okay, what, what do you do if you don't have 
if you don't have two whole loaves. Actually, it happened, somebody <laughs> was talking to Shliach this past Sunday, we were on the bus together, at the Kinnus HaShluchim, and he said that Shabbos afternoon, he has a newly married daughter who lives in Crown Heights, and Shabbos afternoon, um, he went to her house for the meal, but he came late, and it seems it didn't make up clearly exact arrangements before Shabbos. And by the time he came, they didn't have any Lechemishna left, right? There's a newly married couple. You don't have a stock pantry necessarily. They have two loaves to Lechemishna, and that's it. He came, they missed it. So, so, so what do you do? <laughs> so, so actually, we already discussed last week about using Mazonis. Yeah, maybe if you kaveh suda, if you make, if you take cake and you eat enough cake, you eat a lot of cake to be able to wash on it. <laughs> you eat enough cake anyway. But so, 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 so there's another. This is an interesting parallel. Where else? Where so, so? So during the week, by the way, during the week, there's also an idea that it, you're supposed to make a bracha on a whole loaf, if possible. But there it's there it's sort of, if you have the option, in other words, you're about to make a mitzvah, you have a choice to make from this loaf or from this loaf. Take a whole loaf, because it's always a good idea to make a bracha on the whole thing. And it's not just a loaf, it's any fruit. If you have a, if there's a choice to make a bracha on a slice of apple or on a whole apple, you make a bracha on a whole apple, right? But on Shabbos, there's a specific thing that we're going to go for, kikar shalim, for actually two complete loaves. So, there is another area of halacha where you need a kikar shalim. And a whole kikar means loaf, shalim means complete. You need a complete loaf. And that is Erevin. In Erevin, again, so nowadays this is sort of unfamiliar to most of us because even if we use the Erev, we don't get busy with it. The, whoever's the, the, the committee that takes care of the Erev and you know, the, your average layman has nothing to do with an Erev usually nowadays. But originally the way the Erev worked, let's talk about an Erev in a Chatzar which means you had a courtyard, um, a foyer sort of courtyard, and a number of houses um, opened into this courtyard. So the courtyard is surrounded by a wall. It's not open, but it's still public. And the fact that all the residents of those houses, you have 10 families, each of those 10 families have equal um, rights to, to playing basketball in that area. And so we're not allowed to carry in that area unless you make an Eruv. An Eruv doesn't mean the wall, there is a wall around it. An Eruv, literally, the word Eruv in this context means to mix. We're going to mix up these 10 houses and combine them. Maybe combining is a better word, Eruv, to mix and combine. To combine these 10 families. How do we combine them? They all give a loaf of bread. And they all give a loaf of bread. And let's say, you know, families 1 through 10, families 1 through 9 are going to give a loaf of bread and put it all in a basket. And that basket of nine loaves of bread is going to be housed in house number 10. And in his house, he's going to have this big basket, which has the loaf of each of those families. And then that's the way of saying, you know, we're all one happy family. We share one pantry. And once they become one unit, so now it's not considered a public domain anymore. It's a private domain. It's one unit, one family using this courtyard. And then the kids can go and play basketball in the courtyard. It's actually not 100% accurate because you could... You are allowed to carry in the courtyard or even without an Erev. You just wouldn't be allowed to take something from the house into the courtyard. So something that was in the courtyard already, you could carry around, but you wouldn't, if you had your basketball in your house, you couldn't take it outside. Yeah, but it's not really, it's sort of quasi-public, so that's why this thing, mechanism works. So one of the rules um, of, of so, so, what, so we said it has to be a loaf of bread. One of the rules are that it has to be a kikar shalim. Why does it have to be a kikar shalim? Because we don't want to get what's called eva. We don't want it to get into this um, 
uh, bickering that her look, I gave I gave more than you. I gave a nice bukavah the loaf, and you just gave uh, some stale stale bagel from Friday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I propose right. So therefore, in order to avoid, um, in order to avoid, in order to avoid uh, this type of bickering, so therefore the, the Mishnah says that it has to be a kikar shalim. It has to be a complete loaf. And so the Paskim bring, and that's as far as the Erevin is concerned. So going by that theory, then, the Yudah here has to have like 200,000 <laughs> loaves of bread. Yes, so, so, so first, there's a few things. First of all, here, the way the mechanism they use here is not really Erevin Chatzir, it's Shukufim Mevois, which is a little bit different. But the most, the primary answer to your question is that that's only when you have um, a certain amount, less than, I forget exactly how many people. Once you have more than a certain amount of people, then you need to have 18 Gregorus, which is, you know, they have probably two boxes of matzah, and that's, a, you know, you, there's a certain cap that you don't have to go beyond. Um, but presumably, yeah. And what, they keep it in somebody's house? No, they keep, in, they keep it in, well, I don't know where they keep it in Chicago, but yeah, there's a place where it is. You can find out. You can go and eat it. You're allowed to go and eat it. If, they, if you come and eat it and somebody tells you no, you call the whole uh, question. <laughs> It belongs but, to everybody. My guess is they keep it at the CRC or something like that. Yeah, I know in Edgeware, where I lived for a number of years, it's this the one the rabbi of one of the shuls there who sort of initiated the Eruv project. When they, I mean, now Eruv Edgeware is a booming from city, but when he started it, there was there wasn't so you know. But so in his shul, in his shul on the wall, there's a big case. There's a see-through case. Everybody could see it. It's high up. There's two boxes of machine matzos, and every Pesach they. They, they change it. I don't know if the times of Chidim can carry in Edra because they hold up machine mats of Chametz, so it's a, <laughs> it's a problem. Um, and then it's Chametz Shavar afterwards. <laughs> exactly. All right. So in Winston Towers, I when I lived in Winston Towers, I made an Eruv. How many loaves of bread? I took a box of matzah. For the whole. Yeah, uh, a big one, a two-pound box of matzah. Yeah, for the whole building, I did all the things. When I left the building, most of the people in the building use the Arabs. They don't use the city Arabs. They don't care about it. There was one person in the building who who cared about it that I knew of when I left the building, and I gave it over to him. And does he still live there, Davidi? Davidi's there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Davidi, uh, number, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he still has it. I don't know if his father's also mapping maybe. I don't think so. No. Okay. Um. <clears throat> all right. So. Is brought in Shulchan Aruch. So, what do you do if you don't have, if you don't have a, 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 a loaf? So, this is actually not brought in Lechem Mishnah. This is, I'm going to read you here from the Alter Rebbe in Simukuf Samaches, which is technically not Shabbos. It's uh, it's the laws of the Tiyas Apas during the week, but it mentions there about Shabbos. So, I'm going to read you from the English English translation. It's in Alter Rebbe chapter Kuf Samaches 168, Sif Gimel number three. If a person has two half loaves of bread but lacks a whole loaf with which to fulfill the obligation of two whole loaves on Shabbos, he should join them together with a piece of wood that is considered a kli, or with another article that is not muktza in a manner that their attachment is not apparent. This loaf is, right, so you somehow stick them together, you take a toothpick, and you stick them together so that they're held together so that it looks whole. Now, when it comes, yeah, and then he adds that you have to take make sure something it's not muksa. You can't just take a piece of wood off the fence because that would be muksa. But if you have something that's a clear, for example, a toothpick, that's a useful thing, it's not muksa. So then you could use that to hold the two loaves together. This loaf is considered a whole, as whole with regard to the obligation of two whole loaves, just as it is considered as a whole with regard as a whole loaf with regards to Erev Chatseris. Right? Even so just even if they want to separate it from the 
between both. So if you have two half loaves and one loaf, put two half loaves together, that makes one. But I don't think they have to have originally been one. Been, been one. They have to now give the appearance of being a whole loaf. I mean, it's going to be most easy if you have one loaf that was cut in half. No, because then it doesn't look whole. The idea is that it has to look whole. Right. Now listen to this. If a person, however, if a person has a whole loaf, he may not rely on this boy, for it could be said that such a loaf is considered as whole only with regard to Erev Chatseris. For in that instant, a whole loaf was required only to avoid strife, i.e. lest one homeowner complain that I gave a whole loaf while you only gave a slice. As long as the joining pieces is not apparent, there is no need for concern. In other words, if the reason why you need a whole loaf is for Eruch Hatzerah, where there, there's no intrinsic need for a whole loaf. The intrinsic need is that everybody gives food. Once everybody's given food and you have a shared pantry, you consider it like one unit. Then there's an additional law that you have to give a whole loaf so that there shouldn't be strife. So as long as it looks whole, nobody's going to complain because nobody's going to notice that it's not a whole loaf. But with regards to the two loaves of Shabbos, by contrast, where it could be said that joining pieces are not considered as a whole loaf, just as joining them is it doesn't cause them to be considered as one loaf with regards to ritual impurity and purity, right? So we're not going to get into all the laws of Tuma and Tara, but there are differences in those laws between a whole loaf and a, and, and a partial loaf, and when nobody's going to say that if you take a whole loaf and you two half loaves and you put them together with a toothpick, that is going to suddenly um, attain the status of a whole loaf with regards to purity and impurity. So therefore, um, you should only rely on that if you don't have an option. So you don't just take two half of chalice if, you, if you're stuck. You don't have you don't have the mishnah, but you have two half of a loaf that you can give the appearance of a whole loaf. Then that's okay. Now, in the, and then the Altabakon finishes that in the weekday you don't need to do it. Because in the weekday, the whole idea of making the brach on the whole loaf is it's a good thing to do if you have a whole loaf. If you don't have a whole loaf, you don't. So don't make yourself crazy to put the toothpick together to put them as a whole loaf. The truth is that it's brought in Shmishamsk al Khasam that on the weekday there's another idea. Um, and that is to, um, to, to well, the truth is, you know, you, you could do this ahead of time for Shabbos. And if you have half a loaf, he says. That if you put it in the oven again and you rebake it a little bit, so it gets a bit toasty, but now it's like it's. Um, I'm reading to you from Shmir Shabbos Kolchasa, volume two, chapter 55, number 10. He says you could put it back in the oven, and that's how it has a, it has a bit of a lot in Shalim. And he quotes Shalish Shalit Shalitzir. Excuse my ignorance, I'm not sure who that is. Um, and he, yeah, so he, so he says that would be better than combining it through a toothpick. If you realize before Shabbos, that this is a situation, so take that half a loaf and stick it in the oven. Now, this can be very useful on Pesach, because on Pesach, and what do you get? You shmur matzah, and some years we get lucky, and some years we get a whole bunch of broken up pieces. So now here, so, so, so if, you take the, if, you take, if you take the matzah and you stick it in the oven, and you bake it again, and you toast it again. So he says that's considered. Um, that's considered a, a, a whole loaf. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it's permissible to do that on Yom Tif, because on Yom Tif, you, you could do it on Chalamayad before Pesach. And also, if you're Macbeth on Gabrox, you want to be careful about getting crumbs into your oven, so that might not be such a recommended idea anyway. Um, but 
I'm not sure, because on Yom Tov, you're allowed to cook and bake something that's for food. Here, you're not doing it because you because you need the food. You have the food. You want it to be a whole thing. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just, I'm not sure if it would be permissible to do that on Yom Tov. It would be permissible on Chalamayot or before Pesach. I'm not sure if it would be permissible to do it on Yom Tov. Uh, by the first time, nothing to do with halacha. I actually do another thing. I take, uh, I put matzah in the nine by thirteen pan, and I put it on the blech, and it makes it, and it, it, it makes it, it makes it taste fresher. It's like toasting it, you know. Today I don't worry about gabrats because it's in the pan, it's contained, and it's not, uh, you know, um, it's not. Anyway, now what now, here? What about? So now there's another thing. There is the ches, and again this. Sometimes it's relevant on Shabbos, but it's more commonly relevant on Pesach. The Gemara says, and I thought I prepared the source, but I don't see it, so I have to say what I remember from memory. Um, the Gemara says that Hafrosh's challah, the challah of Anachtim, which is Echadim Memches, doesn't disqualify the bread from the Eruv. I'll explain what that means. Remember, we said when you're doing the Eruv, everybody has to give a whole loaf. Now, when you make challah, when you make bread, um, so you have to be mafresh challah. You have to take off, uh, uh, um, you have to take off the mitzvah of rosh's challah. How much do you have to be mafresh? So the, it says nachtoim, yeah, it says the balabayas has to do one twenty-fourth of the loaf. And, um, and Nachtim uh, has to do one less, it's 148th of the loaf. And nowadays that is going to Shreifa, so everybody could do 148th. Okay, so practically speaking, we say it's 148th of the loaf, of, of the dough goes to challah. Now, if you didn't take off the challah when it was dough and you bake the bread, then you have to take it off to, to when, it, when it's ready baked. I just had this in my house. I mentioned before, yeah, my wife recently made challah and she made wheat and spelt. And um, she was mafish challah from the wheat. And then afterwards, I realized that in that scenario, based on the exact quantities, et cetera, she would have, she was had to be mafish separately from the wheat and separately from the spelt. So then we took a piece of the spelt challah and we said there is a challah. And uh, yeah, that's the first challah. No, if it's mixed together in one dough, then it's fine. But if it's two separate doughs that she just touched together, you mafish challah like you do. Usually, if you have two big doughs of wheat, you you touch them together, or you put them in one bowl, or you touch them together, you cover them. There's different ways of. Yeah, so that weeks that works if it's wheat and wheat. If it's wheat and spelt, there's there's a lot of variables in that case. But uh, if it's wheat, if it's wheat and spelt, first, there's two var- there's two variables. One variable is which two species are they, and there's all different combinations. But wheat and spelt combine only if each of them don't have their own shir challah. But if each of, if there's enough wheat on its own to be mafresh challah and enough spelt on its own to be mafresh challah, then you have to take separately from both. Um, anyway. Um, Oh, so 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 the Gemara says that if there's one forty-eighth missing from the challah that you give for the eruv, it's okay. Why is it okay? Because it's hafrosh's challah. Now here we have a machlekes rishonim, machlekes between the rosh and the ri. The rosh says that that's only. Uh, I'm quoting the names. Of the, 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 the one second, let me just make sure I'm quoting them correctly. Yeah, sorry, the re, the re, the re says 
It reads quoted by Tony. So he says, what that means is if you give your challah, you're going to give your challah for the Eru. And then you remember that you weren't mafresh challah from this challah. So then you're mafresh challah. And you take off 148 of the loaf. And even though now you're not giving a complete loaf, it doesn't matter because nobody, why not? Because again, the reason you have to give a complete loaf is because of Ava, so that shouldn't be strife, there shouldn't be bickering. But here, nobody's going to bicker, everybody's going to know you have to be mafresh challah. So nobody's going to feel like you're being a cheap, you're being cheap and taking advantage of them. Everybody will understand that you have to be mafresh challah from your dome. That's the way the re explains it. The Rosh says, no. The Rosh says, even if this is, it wasn't full of the challah, even if this, if you were already mafresh challah from this thing, but, but because that amount of 148 of the bread is not, cons- is, is the amount that you are mafresh from challah, so that's not an amount that people are going to be makbid on. And therefore, you have a loaf of bread, a piece of it broke off. If not for Hafrosh's challah, stomach piece broke off. But if that piece is less, is one forty-eighth of the loaf or less, then you could still use that for the Eruv. Now, you could take the, the challah that you have mafresh and use it for the Not the challah that you have mafresh. Okay, again, you have a piece of bread. Yeah. One forty-eighth of it is missing. In other words, like this. The re says, the re holds, you have a piece of bread, you forgot to be mafresh challah, be mafresh challah, take off 148 of it, and then give it to the Arab, it's fine. The Rosh says, no. Even if you, ha- even if you weren't mafresh challah from it, now, you're already mafresh challah, it was fine. Stamazo, your piece that was a 48th of it, broke off. Nevertheless, it's, you could still use it for the Arab. Why? Because... Because if you, because had you forgotten to be mafresh challah, you would be mafresh challah, and that's how much would be missing, and it would be fine. So even if you were mafresh challah, and the reason this forty-eight is missing is stam because it fell off, it's still fine for the eruv. Uh-huh. Is that clear? Mm-hmm. I think so. I, it's, I, it doesn't sound so complicated to me. No, I don't. I don't. I'm just making. You can't. You can after you bake the, the after you baked it. You can take off and use what that for, for no. The, <laughs> You're being mafresh after it's been baked, right? You have already bread, and then you mafresh after baked, and that you give to the kohen, or you burn it. Okay. The so rest of it, that's 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 oh, oh, that's that. a complete loaf minus the forty-eight. You can it. use as the challah. That was what I didn't know. Right? That's what I didn't. Yeah. Know. So what are you giving? What are you giving? I, what's, uh, talk to I me. Hold on. What's um? What's uh? Who's good at math over here? What's a forty-eighth in percentage? One over forty-eight in percent is two percent. Okay, it's basically two point two point zero eight, right? So, if you have basically what we're saying is like this: according to again, we're not that talking about the Mishnah, we're talking about Eruv, the laws of Eruv. If you have a loaf that is ninety-seven point zero two percent complete, according to the Rosh, you could use that for an Eruv. 97, let's call it 98. Sorry, it's 98 point, is 97.80, 82.82. Let's just call it 98. Let's call it 98. You have a loaf which is 98% complete. According to the rush, you can use that for the area. According to the re, you can only use it for the area if the reason why you're missing 2% is because you are math for shit for Chala. Right. Now, what's all this got to do with Lechem Mishnah? The Mishnah says that when you use an Erev, you have to have a Kikar Shalim, you have to have a complete loaf. Comes the Gemara and says that if you're missing 2%, according to the way the Rosh understands the Gemara, it's fine. Come dice that a loaf that's missing 2%, 
the Mishnah refers to as a complete loaf. And therefore, comes again the Russian says that it's also a loaf of complete for like Mishnah. How big is it? I can have to be to begin with. Two percent is two percent. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Oh, it has to be. I think it has to be because ice. So it could be a roll. Yeah. So if you have a roll that's missing two percent, yeah. If you have a roll like that big that's missing two percent, according to the Rosh, again, it's interesting because the reason for erov wouldn't apply to lechem The reason for erov is because people are going to bicker. If, if, and, and, and get a, be offended if you're using less. So the man, if it's only 2%, nobody's going to bicker. That's irrelevant to Shabbos. For Shabbos, the reason you need a whole loaf is not because people are going to fight. The reason you need a whole loaf is because that's the covered Shabbos, whatever the reason is. But nevertheless, because the Mishnah refers to the loaf of Erev as specifically being a complete loaf. And the Gemara says, according to the Rosh's understanding of the Gemara, that 2% is missing is fine. Kumbais, that a loaf that's missing 2% is halachically considered a complete loaf, and you could use it for Lachamishna. One second. Halach and we we only rely on this if you don't have another option. If you don't have another option, we, we, but if you don't have another option, we say, no, that's only as far as Erevin is concerned, it doesn't apply to Shabbos. But again, when does this become very relevant? Um, I mean, it, it could happen. It could happen anytime. In fact, it happened to me um, recently. I was somewhere where, where, where there was a challah, which uh, the challah flopped a little bit. And what happened was, basically, the, I don't know exactly what the recipe was and what happened to it, but the the crust of the challah wasn't really crust. It was just regular bread, and it was a bit moist because it was painted over with egg. And the when they took it out of the Ziploc bag that it was in, the crust sort of all crumbled apart. So is this loaf still considered a whole loaf for the Mishnah? So Mela, I think it's so, so safe to assume that the amount that fell off was less than 2%. And Mela, according to the Russian, it was for sure fine. It stuck to the bag, and then when you pulled it out, it, it got yeah, yeah. We mentioned also last week that you should, when you say like a Mishnah, even though we passed, we mentioned last week in Mishnah Brura, the the the, the Chumrah of, of the Chitah and the Dra to use to cut both loaves. But the Ma'aseh the Halacha is, and the widespread custom is that you only eat from one of the loaves. But nevertheless, ideally, you should have both loaves unwrapped, you know, so not one in a bag on a sofa. You should have both loaves open, and you should ideal. Anyway, I think we mentioned that last week. But I would assume that there are that there's there's some disagreement with, with the rush on this, right? Yeah, because the re the re holds that it's only you can't be missing two percent. The re holds only if you if if the two percent that's missing is because you were because you forgot, right? The, again, the halacha is if you forget to be mafish challah before you bake it, you mafish challah after you bake it. So the re says if you took this challah, you're about to give it to the air, but then you remember, oh, it wasn't mafish challah, so you mafish challah right then, and that doesn't there it doesn't matter. Not that any two percent doesn't matter. Two percent that you're actually a mafresh challah. Yeah, again, we're using the word challah here in two connotations, so it could be a bit confusing, right? Challah means we call the loaf bread colloquially, we call it challah, and then the word challah halachically means the challah that you designate, that you separate and designate as the mitzvah of taking your part of the dough and giving it to the kohen. Nowadays, we usually burn it, whatever it is. Okay. So I just want to say this is very relevant on Pesach because often on Pesach, if the, if the shepherd didn't go so smooth. So you have your matzahs, which are completely in crumbs. You have three whole matzahs. And then not half of your, most of your matzahs are whole, but it's a, somewhere in the edge, there's a little tiny piece missing, right? So ideally, you look for the matzahs that are completely complete. But if you've ran out of those, and you have matzahs that are just missing a small piece at the end, so if it's less than 2%, then less 2% of the matzah, then according to the rush, uh, according to the, they, they bring it, the Shah brings it from the Chacham Sui, whatever the Pasch will talk about it, that you could rely, that, 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 that you could use that for Lechem Mishnah. Again, the Rosh doesn't explicitly, he's not talking about Lechem Mishnah. 
One second. Um, but, 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 but the Pasuk said that according to the Rosh, that would work out fine. Yes. Can you use Mura Matzah to make If it has a crack, but it's still attached, then it's certainly fine. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. I always try to avoid having even a piece of it. It could be that's an extra hitter to have it completely complete. I'll tell you, you know what? You're actually leading on to in the next subject. Which I'm about. Larry, you want to ask something? I'm just wondering, there must be, besides the sheet of the Lee, but even within the rush, the, the, that is a shalim only in terms of, of Ava, right? Yeah. But, calling it that, but they're calling that within the context of that doesn't don't lead to Ava. Right. But I, I can imagine uh, you could quibble with that. Of course you could. Of course you could. Yeah, yeah. But now, yeah, of course, according to the Lee. Yeah, yeah no, even though, 100%. 100%. 100%. It's, not, it's not so Pashat. But the Mice, that's what the Pashat will say that, that, that because the Mishnah says a Kitar Shalim, it's fine. Okay, so there's a minute you may have, you, I'm sure you've noticed, the minute um, before you say Lecha Mishnah, people make a little mark on the bread with a knife. What's that all about? So, first we have to know what the halach is in the weekday, and then we'll say why, well, what the halach is on Shabbos. Um, Aaron, you're being cool. I don't see you and I don't hear you, so I assume you understand everything. It's no questions, no, no. Yep, well, I'm an expert. <laughs> you don't disagree with anything I've said so far, huh? No, I mean it's it's it's, it's very interesting. Okay, good. I'm trying to I'm trying to grasp all of it. I I mean I I yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not sure that I have all of the foundations to understand a lot of the stuff that's going on. So I'm trying to to get well, what I can. Just feel free to butt in and ask for expert okay. clarification. Okay, so what's what's this scratching the challah with an eye all about? So during the week. So, 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 good, so, so like there's an idea that between the bracha of Hamaitzi and when you eat the challah should be as little interruption as possible. So during the week, you're supposed to slice, so if you're making a bracha, and ideally you make a bracha in a whole loaf, you're supposed to slice it almost all the way to the bottom. Now, let's say two, yeah. And like this, you still have a whole loaf because it's still attached, but you're not going to waste five minutes slicing your bread because you've already sliced it before. How much are you supposed to slice it? So you're supposed to slice it, slice it enough, 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 as much as you can, but leaving it attached enough that if you would pick it up from the small section, the big section would come along with it, right? So if you cut it, I don't know, imagine an average color. If you cut it two thirds of the way, right? So yeah, probably, Depends on the consistency and how big the slice is, etc. But let's say if you cut it two thirds of the way, if you pick it up from the small side, the big side will come along with it; it won't crack off, right? Let's say. But if you cut it, you know, more than that, three quarters or whatever, yeah, then uh, you got to pick it up; it's going to crack. So that's how much you're supposed to do it during the week. Again, nowadays, um, it's not so cut; it's, it's a less practice halacha because, first of all, we have sliced bread. You can do it that everything else in this world is the best thing since sliced bread. So sliced bread is the best thing. Um, and um, even though you don't have sliced bread, you're using a bagel. So, so, so the way you eat a bagel, you, it depends how you're eating it. You're eating it as a sandwich. So then bichlal uh, is a question. Uh, sandwiches, whatever. Yeah, you're not supposed to take a bite out of a piece. That's more than a kebeah or whatever. There's different shyness about that. But whatever the case is, 
if you have a look at a Yidin who are makbid in halacha, you'll see that that's how they do it. They, they, they slice the bread almost. You go to a weekday suda where you have a lot. You go to a bris. You go to a shavabrachas. You know when you have a, a wedding where you have a big challah. Yeah, you, you, if you ever go to a wedding and they come there, they have this huge challah like this, and the photographer comes there. So if the chassan knows what he's doing, that's how he'll do it. He'll slice it open as much you know half of the way I think. Then he'll say the bracha. And then he'll finish slicing. Yeah. And uh, it depends also, you do from the middle, you do from the side. I can't, that's the halach. Yeah? So on Shabbos, you're not supposed to do that. Why are you not supposed to do it on Shabbos? So Shemarach, I think it's the Ramah. Again, I don't remember the source right now, but I'm pretty sure it's the Ramah. says that, that the reason is, because on Shabbos you need Lecha Mishnah, um, because on Shabbos you need Lecha Mishnah, so therefore you shouldn't do it. Yeah. So what one second? So 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 you could understand that to mean that for lechem mishnah you need to have a whole loaf, and there a crack in the loaf would be a problem for lechem mishnah, and there's no do it. But when Alter Rebbe says it, and again Alter Rebbe is in the laws of B'tiyas Apas and Simon Kuf Samach Zayin one sixty seven. So there it says, and again I'll read this from the tra- translation in English. Before, again, this is not about Shabbos. This is during the week, yeah? Before beginning the blessing, it is desirable to make a slight cut with a knife where one will slice where one will slice the piece of bread from the loaf to minimize the delay caused by cutting so that it will not be considered an interruption between the recitation of the bracha and the eating. Should not separate the slice from the loaf until he concludes the entire bracha. Making a small cut as this type does not cause the bread to be considered a slice as long as the entire loaf will not break off but instead be lifted up when the sliced portion is lifted. Should not slice more than this amount, for if you will slice, lo- slice the loaf in a manner, then when he grasps the piece, the entire loaf will not be lifted up, even though were he to grasp the loaf, the piece would be lifted up with it. Um, it is considered as sliced in all contexts, right? So even though if you would pick up the big piece, the small piece, would, the slice would come along with it, we need it to be that if you pick up the slice, the big piece would come with it. Yeah, maybe it's not two-thirds, maybe it's that. Hold on. That's during the week. With this in mind, on Shabbos and Yom Tif, one should not cut the bread at all until after the recitation of the bracha. Why? So I thought it was going to say, because we want it to be whole. He says, no, because maybe your hand will slip and he will cut more than this measure, causing him to break on the sliced loaf. And it, will be, and it is obligatory on Shabbos and Yom Tif to say the bracha for two whole loaves. And the way the Alter Rebbe's learning chat is that the problem is that you might forget. If I tell you to, if on Shabbos, if I tell you to slice it halfway, you might by mistake slice it three quarters of the way and then it's going to be too much. So if that happens on the weekday, it doesn't matter because on the, on the weekday, it's not the end of the world if you don't make the bracha on a whole loaf. But on Shabbos, where there's, quote, an absolute obligation to say the bracha on a whole loaf, I can't allow you to cut it halfway, even though cutting halfway, or like Mark, Mark said, having a crack in the mouth, so it's still considered whole. The problem is you might come and do it more by mistake. Yeah? At what point is it not considered a shalom? Where uh, the part that if you will lift up the slice, the big, the big, the, the rest of the loaf would break off. Then he says, On Shabbos, one need not be concerned that the ensuing delay in cutting the bread causes an interruption between the recitation of the bracha and the eating, because merely waiting without speaking is not considered an interruption. It is only that during the week one should conduct himself in the above ma- manner. Okay. Nevertheless, nevertheless, listen, 
Nevertheless, if one forgot on Shabbos and Yom Tov and sliced the bread as he does during the week, he does not forfeit the mitzvah to use two loaves as long as it's still the entire loaf, yeah, as long as it's still attached enough that the entire loaf would come up when you picked up the slice. That's the halacha in Shulchan Aruch. One second, I want to finish. Is there something that's not understood? Okay, now. Um, just like, what's the reason for the, for the cutting in the first place? The reason for the cutting in the first place is so that there should be less, no interruption in between the bracha, in, in between the bracha. Save some time from after you set the bracha. Exactly. Now, part of the time, quote, wasted is you need to look for the right place where you're going to cut. You need to choose. Oh, well, you need to cut from the best part of the loaf, the part of the loaf that's the most baked. So, so that's, so then there became a minute. The Matzah Shekel brings this. The minute became that you make a little mark on the bread. You're not allowed to cut it because we're scared you're going to cut it too much. You make a little scratch. A little scratch is fine. What do you accomplish by doing the scratch? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Oh. So, so yeah, the, the, the way the, the minute on Shabbos is not even to make an eighth of an inch. Mom, it's a tiny, just a mark. It's just enough to be a mark. It's a mark that you see where the knife was. So, what's the reason for it? So the Machsashekel brings that, uh, let me see. Uh, sorry, the Mogan of Ram brings it. The Mogan of Ram brings them in there. And Machsashekel explains that the reason is because so first of all, he says different than that. He says, that on Shabbos you can't start to cut it because you need it to be complete, Bishas the Bracha, right? It doesn't say like Alter Rebbe says because you might come and cut it more. He's learning that if it's if it's cut, it's not, it's a problem. So according to Machsa Shekel, if you have a matzah with a crack in it, it would be a problem. According to Alter Rebbe, it's fine. Then he says, what's the point of making a mark? Because we want as much as possible to minimize the interruption between the Bracha and eating. And um, therefore, after the if you have the mark, then after the Bracha, you won't need to, um, to to take the time to think after the bracha, okay, where should I slice this bread from? Because already you've done that before the bracha. Before the bracha, you look, oh, here's the best part of the bread. I'm going to make a mark. That's where I'm going to cut from. And like this, as soon as you finish the bracha, bam, you're into, straight into action, right? So so that's what... And he says, says that Machsa Shekel, says the Machsa Shekel, the loikim not like the minig of, uh, of the masses, that they just sort of wave the knife around the challah and they don't actually make a mark. You have to make a mark because if you're not making a mark, then there's no point in the thing. Now, th th this is Machsa Shekel explaining that to the minig of the Mogan Abram. The Mogan Abram says this. Nevertheless, nevertheless, yeah, the Lashon of the Mogan Abram is, Hamedaktakim noyagim lushin besakim kaidim abrach. That's the Lashon of the Mogan Abram. The Alter Rebbe doesn't bring it. It's very strange, yeah? For those of us following the Halakha, the, the is a Mogan Avram. Usually the Alter Rebbe brings a Mogan Avram. The Alter Rebbe doesn't bring it at all. So if you would just read the Alter Rebbe Shechon on the weekday you slice it, let's say half or two-thirds of the way, on the Shabbos you don't touch the knife to the loaf before the bracha. However, um, in Chesayi Sashulcha, we've discussed Chesayi Sashulcha many times, of Chaim Noe, a very prominent Pesach and Chabad Rav in Eretz Yisrael, so he, um, and he's actually, it's, it's, his, his work has very recently been reprinted in a new typeset, which is very easy to read from, not like this one. And so he says, 
that's like this. It says the Alter Rebbe doesn't bring us in Shulchan Aruch, which seems to imply that there's no need for this mark with the knife. Nevertheless, the minute is to do it. However, I heard from my grandfather, Hagoyin Achosin Ramoshet Tzvi Noy Harav Mikalisk. So Rabbi Chaim Noy's grandfather, Ramoshet Tzvi Noy, was a rav, was a rav in a city called Kalisk, um, and he said that he heard from the Tzamech Tzedek, and the Tzamech Tzedek was talking about something. I don't remember what he was talking about. Chaim Noah doesn't remember what the what the topic of the conversation was, but in the topic of conversation, the Samachtedik was talking about people who do chumras or do things which are unnecessary. And um, he said the Samachtedik sort of mentioned in passing that somebody who does X, Y, and Z again. Chaim Noah saying I don't remember what X, Y, and Z was is 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 com- comparable to the people who after they make the brachamaytzi they're looking oh where was the mark I need to cut in that exact place. And the Vela, um, the Vela, he says, so the minute is taka to touch the knife, you make a little scratch, but he says, don't, um, the point is that you've, you've, you've looked for where you want to cut the bread, so you don't need to cut that exact millimeter. You, you look, you made, okay, I'm going to cut the, this side of the bread is baked better. I like to, I like, I like that are baked well, so I'm going to cut it on the top third. So you know the top third, you don't need to look for your scratch. Um, to do it again. Okay, so that's... He didn't say that making scratch, which is not mentioned by Shogun No, he didn't he say did. that making the scratch that's is a Mishagas. Well, the Mishagas is the Mishagas is looking for your scratch to make sure the knife isn't exactly yeah. in, the, in the spot of the scratch. Yeah, that's okay. really, I mean, that is more delaying, if anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Really. Nobody's saying there are some people that are looking around. Where did I get that scratch again? All right. You make the scratch, yeah. That's the minute you make the scratch. Don't you don't cut, back. don't cut, just the time, just a, a slight mark. Yeah. All right. Okay. One more important thing, Lachaira. One more important, uh, two more important things which we haven't yet covered. I think is how to hold the chala, how to hold the chala and the chalas, and um, how to hold the chalas, and also being might see other people. So, oh, so we're holding it with ten fingers. We know that already. So in Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch Mechava brings that the way to hold the chalas it depends. It's Friday night and Shabbos day, right? It says on. Oh, so it goes like this. Mechaber says in Shulchan Aruch that you hold them both in your hands and you make the bracha on the bottom one. So he's imagining you're holding them two like this, one on top of the other, and then you say the bracha on the bottom one. Says the, says the Rambo that that's only on Friday night, but on Shabbos day or on Yom Tif night, you make a bracha on the top one. And the, the Rambo finishes off, the reason is for a mystical reason, Now here, here, the boss can get very upset about this because there's a concept of Ein Mavir and Alamitzvah. Mitzvah means you have to, you, you can't overpass a mitzvah. You have to do the mitzvah which you encounter first. So, for example, an everyday example of this is it's brought in Shulchan Aruch that when you put away your talis and tefillin, you should put your talis on top of the tefillin so that when you come the next morning, the first thing you encounter is a talis because you're supposed to put on the talis first. 
because Tadu Rosh Hashanah Tadu Tadu Kaidim, because Talis is an everyday mitzvah, and Tfilin is only a weekday mitzvah. So something which is more often is done first. The Talis has to be put on before the Tfilin, but also we don't want to, but you don't want to encounter the Tfilin first. So therefore, you encounter, um, you encounter, you, you put it away in such a way that you encounter the Talis first. Similarly, within the Tfilin themselves, you're supposed to put it, you put it the Talis on top. Yeah, the Talis is on top in a way that you encounter the Talis. Similarly, with the tefillin themselves, which tefillin do you put on first? First, the hand tefillin, then the head tefillin. So you're supposed to put it away in a way that you know the next morning you're going to encounter the hand tefillin before the head tefillin. You don't want to encounter the head tefillin and say, oh, I'm going to put this aside and put on the hand. So similarly here, says the Bach, how could you tell me that you make the bracha on the bottom loaf? You have to make the bracha on the loaf you encounter first. The top loaf. So what are we going to do about this? So there's, there's three answers to this question brought in the Paskim. One answer is, and Nora Hashulchan brings this, that um, that uh, that the idea that you have to do the mitzvah you encounter first is only if you intend to do both of them. So you come in the morning, you intend to put on talis and you intend to put on tefillin. So you have to, so you encounter, you do the mitzvah that you encounter first. That's why you have to orchestrate it such that you're going to encounter your talis before your tefillin. But if you're not planning to put on, do both, let's say you only want to put on tefillin and I'm not interested in putting on a talis right now. So then you don't say that you're gonna you you're, you're passing over a mitzvah. Similarly, we passed and we mentioned last week that you only cut one of the loaves, right? So Mela says that it's no problem of you know mitzvah because I only want one loaf. I want the bottom loaf. If you're gonna cut both loaves, so then you could say, okay, I'm But if I'm only planning to cut one of them, so I want I don't want to cut. The, I'm not passing over the top loaf. I don't want to cut the top loaf. I'm keeping that for tomorrow. I specifically want the bottom loaf, so it's not a problem. Al Kupanim. Not everybody accepts. He brings a rai from a taisus. Not everybody accepts the 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 the, the, the and the halacha. There's two other uh, workarounds, and the Alter I believe, brings both of them. Number one is that you switch them around. That means that you you put. How does he say? Hold on. When you go to cut it, you put the house back. And then the one you're going to cut, you cut it. Right? Yeah, so the yes, yeah, so the Morgan of Ron says, yeah, so he says you, you take the top, you want to use the top loaf because they may have you in all the mitzvahs. So you, you put the top loaf, you have one and one on top. Then you take the, then when you, it's like, it's like that place on the table for Kiddush. Then when it comes to make Hamaytzi, you switch it around and you put the top one on the bottom. But because that one was on the top, so that's considered a Mavira Mitzvah. That's what the Bhagavan of Ram says. And the Taz says something which would seem much more logical. And he says, I put the bottom one closer to me. So you have, so you imagine yeah, the top one and the bottom one is this way. So the top one is on top, but the bottom one is closer to me. So I'm going to encounter the bottom one first, and that way it's fine. So Bimela, according to the Taz, and this is, I believe, outside of Chabad's common practice, that on Friday night, you put one on top of the other, but the bottom one is closer toward the per, toward me, and that way I make the bracha on the bottom one, and I don't have a problem with the end on the mitzvahs. And Shabbos day, you just do the top one, and that's it. However, the rabbi brings in the letters that in Chabad is a different minute of how to do it. And uh, basically, uh, to, to uh, he says we put the, we don't put one on top of the other; we put them next to each other. 
it's applicable. We do them next to each other, and yeah, and we do them with the bottom facing each other, so that all you could see is the the is the top of the challah, the face of the challah, and the bottoms are facing each other. And he says Friday nights you do it like imagine these are the loaves, so the the top of them at the hand is my hands at the top of the loaves, and my palms at the bottom. So Friday night you do it like this, you put them together this way, and Shabbos day the bottom one the um the one on the right. So again, this is I'm doing this on my right, yeah. Um, the one on the right is a little bit raised over the bottom one. And um, now it, the rabbi doesn't say, according to this minhag, which one you cut. Yeah. Now Friday night, there's no bottom and top one, so cut either of them. I guess I don't know. And Shabbos day, Shabbos day, yeah, cut the right one. I, I've always had a problem how to. And is, is this minhag? One, one second. Is this minhag an exclusion to the minhag of Shulchan That's what it says over here. Now, what, what's the reason for this minhag? So it's brought over here, and they bring over here two quotes from Al Rebbe and which seem to be relevant. One is he talks about. I'll just go very briefly because it's sort of this in the deep mystical stuff. But he talks about two methods of seder hishtalshulus. One is where there's sort of cause and effect ilu and one is where he calls it. Uh, I think he says Echazer, yeah, that, that everything is Bahiskalalus, everything is combined together. And on Shabbos, that's how it works. So therefore, on you know, Alpine Nigla, he says you're supposed to have one on top of the other, because that's the normal approach of cause and effect, and one thing leading to the next. But on Pikabala, Shabbos is such a level of Hiskalalus where all the different levels come together. And mainly you're supposed to hold the khalas not one on top of the other, but one next to each other. That's that's one thing. And that's in the Mimer in Parshas uh, Bashalach. In Torah, and then in Lukut Torah and Parsha Seikev, um, he's talking about also Shabbos, and he talks about the Lechem Aponim and Ponim Ba'achet, and he says that that's why the Lechem Aponim was Kuli Ponim. Not sure exactly what that means. That there was no back of the Lechem Aponim, and it's called the Lechem Aponim, the the the, the showbread in the base of it. It's called the showbread or the face bread because it's all the front, it's all the face. And he says that and that's also why he says Al Pikabala. When you make Lacha Mishnah, you're supposed to conceal the back of the Chalas so that all you should see is the front of the Chalas. So that's Pasha's the reason why our minute is when we say Lacha Mishnah to put the backs together so that we, so we do it in that way. Yes? So that's the Chabad Minhag, yes. Right, that's yes. Okay. Yes. One more, one more topic, which uh, we'll go through quickly. Um, we actually discussed this before, I think. But anyway, is so the simple reading of the Shulchan Aruch and the Mishnah Bura says this clearly, and it's almost explicit in the Al Also, is that basically it, one of two things: either Every individual at the table has their own two loaves to make lechem mishnah, or the balabos, the balabai says hamaytzi, and he discharges everybody their obligation of saying hamaytzi, and then they have a piece of his his challah, and they don't, um, and they they don't. Uh, nobody says their own bracha hamaytzi. Their yotzer and their yotzer two things from the balabais. The yotzer the mitzvah of lechem mishnah because he made the bracha on two loaves, and they're also yotzer the the, the bracha of hamaytzi. So they just take the bread, they, they eat without a bracha, they heard his bracha, right? That's the that's what the Mishabura says. That seems to be the implication of the Alter Rebbe, and that is certainly outside of Chabad. That is the widespread custom. Well, they have uh, to do is yeah. Yes, that's uh, exactly. 
and and he has to wait. The balabas has to wait for everybody to finish washing and be back at the table before he says amaitzi. Right. Um, now there is a safer with. Hold on, spells it. There is a sefer, a famous sefer we've discussed it many times, the Ishla Avram, the Bachacharab, a very prominent Pesach who often has very original um, ideas. And again, I often think that if it wasn't him saying them, we would never give it the time of day. But he says it and he's, uh, you know. So the Ishla Avram says, no. He says there's two separate things. There's a mitzvah to be Mishnah, to break bread over, over two loaves. By the way, the Ishla Avram doesn't say this, but the as the mitzvah, the, 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 the concept of Peris Mapa Makadash, yeah. If you're having a meal on Friday and going to Shabbos, so how do you do the Mishnah? You just break two loaves of bread. You don't say you don't say hamaitzi. You've already said hamaitzi, right? So that the balabas does the shlichus of everybody else on everybody's behalf. And then there's the brach of hamaitzi. And Bamela the Ishlavram says that even if and even if not, I'm not used to the brach of hamaitzi from the balabas, and even if I haven't washed yet, if I hear him saying hamaitzi on the Mishnah, I fulfill my obligation of Lachem And there's a letter of the Rebbe where somebody asked him about the Rebbe. The Rebbe quotes the Shem Shalavram, and this sort of became uh, the de facto Minik Chabad. And there's two, so, so, so two takeaways. First takeaway is that according to this Shalavram, according to Minik Chabad, everybody does say their own Bracha Hamaytzi. I don't rely on being Yotzah Hamaytzi from the Barabbas. The Barabbas gives me the Chal, I make my own Bracha Hamaytzi. And nevertheless, I'm still the Yitzhah Mishnah from the Balabas. That's Chiddush number one. And the Bible of it is, you, you, people, you, you, it could take a long time from when he says, I'm Yitzhah till I eat, so it could be a long hefzik. Maybe I didn't listen to every word. It could be other miles. And additionally, what this means is that I, I, I could have even, I, I could have not washed yet, and probably I could have even not made Kiddush yet, right? And so what happens is, if you have limited Lecha Mishnah, if you have only one set of Lecha Mishnah, so Waiting time is never a good idea. It's just like you're supposed to, as much as possible, juxtapose the bracha of hamaytzi to the eating. You're also supposed to juxtapose as much as possible the eating to the kiddush, right? So if the balbos makes kiddush and then he washes and then he's waiting for five minutes for everybody to make hamaytzi. That's not ideal. What's more ideal is to make kiddush, wash, say hamaytzi, and uh, everybody else could still be making kiddush, washing, and then they come to the table and the yotzevim is like a mishnah. Now, uh, if your wife is going to like it like that, it might not be offensive to the guest or hey, whatever. I don't know. We have to see. But at least halachically, according to the Ishla of Ram, that's fine. As long as the balabas made a bracha over two loaves of bread, and I heard him do so, even if I was in the kitchen while I was still by the sink washing, I heard through from the dining room. He said the loud, and I could hear him from the kitchen. I'm going to the midst of the mishnah, and that comes out to tremendous. Uh, practically, it's a tremendous. Uh, it's very, it's very practical, and uh, to, to rely on. Uh, and everyone has to make sure to make the same emotes. Everyone has to make their own emotes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the balabas could have in mind that whoever wants to be yotzamir, whoever wants to make their own, is made their own. So if you're eating at my table and you rely on my emotes, that's fine. My worry is that people are going to think that because they're yotzay lechemishnah, that somehow they're going to go to the bracha too. If they're, right. they haven't washed yet. You know? Oh, so so Shemizaman brings so brings up the evidence. That's okay, as long as there's no interruption besides washing. He says, if okay. yeah, he says, um, he says, we'll finish with this um, that he. I'm pretty sure that's Shemizaman. Just a second.
Does the same thing apply to fellow students? Yes. Okay. But what if you have a student during the week? You can still use two. No, only one. He says here, I'm a listening, Ari. so again, this is uh, okay, I don't know the whole resource, but this is the Shmir Shabbos Kalachasa. That's what he brings. That for the event, that would be okay too. All right, we'll stop here. Um, somebody make him All right, have a good day, Aaron. Have a good week. Thanks, you too.